everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on the Hope for Today broadcast. I'm your host, Doran Wengard, founder of Wengard Ministries, where we are delivering hope to every heart. This is the fourth message in the series called Hope in the Body. Now, I just recorded a message called Ears to Hear, and I've got to say, hearing the voice of God is essential for walking in the revelation of the Lord. So if you missed that or any of the other messages, be sure to go back and watch or listen to those as well. Now, I need to take the time to stop here and say that if you've been touched by these messages in any way, please consider partnering with Wankard Ministries. We're in the process of revamping our website, but the links will all stay the same. You can give as a one-time gift or you can become a monthly partner, so just click the button when you're there. We take it very seriously that every seed sown has a calling on it to produce fruit, and we want to continue to be rich, fertile soil which produces an abundant harvest in the kingdom of God, as well as for every person who is sowing seed. Now, hearing the voice of God is the start for sure, but there is another step that is just as essential for seeing the power of God moving in our lives. It's one thing to have ears to hear and eyes to see what God is showing us, but what good is that if we never take action to obey? You know, I want to talk about something that is very easily overlooked, or at least it's misunderstood, as we seek to experience more of the atonement of Jesus in our body. It's easy to look at this and, and kind of miss the heart behind it. So I know, I know we've talked about this before, talked about the fact that we've been given the righteousness of Jesus we, when we accept the free gift of salvation. This all happens when we believe the message of Jesus by faith and then confess it with our mouth. The other truth that happens is that our spirits are made completely perfect immediately when we become born again. But what exactly happens at that point in our soul and in our body? What is our responsibility from that moment on? What does it mean to truly be a disciple of Jesus? Now, this is not really as complicated as it may seem at times, but there are things that we do need to understand in order to go deeper. I've titled this message today, Faith in Action. Several weekends ago, our church did an outreach of love into the community, and we spent some time in worship and hearing from the Lord, and then we split into groups to go into the surrounding towns. Many of us had words from the Lord of a specific town or a road, along with a person's name or the color of shirt they would be wearing or, or some other critical detail. We had so many confirmed words and divine encounters with people in just only a couple of hours. It was amazing. The testimonies that came from that time were just awesome. Now, we need to remember that the goal is not just getting things done, but success is simply to go. We don't have a quota to meet or any other thing that will earn approval from God, but he has told us to go because that is exactly what putting our faith to work looks like. I want you to look at what Jesus said in Matthew 28. I'm just going to look at verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. 
So that is a commandment from Jesus directly to his disciples, which we would be disciples. Now, going doesn't mean that you need to travel to another country or even another region of your country, although that may be what he's calling you to do. It doesn't mean that that has to be the case. To go is simply to interact with people you wouldn't normally connect with in your daily life. Many times we have a prompting from the Lord to go and talk to that person. I hear this all the time. You know, I, I knew I should have done that, or I had a feeling about that. But these comments usually come after the opportunity has passed. The question is, will we, will we respond right when the, the prompting comes to us? Now, I'd like to read James 1, uh, verses 22 through 25. James 1, 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Notice it is a conditional blessing. It is Jesus makes it very, or James makes it very clear what the, the blessing, uh, actually the activation of the blessing comes from. It's acting on God's word that we are then blessed. Now, I had always read these verses with the idea that this is simply talking about God's word or, you know, the Bible. But I've learned to include the fact that this Mention of God's word is also referring to his individual daily instructions to each one of us. Uh, so often we want to know ahead of time what the results will be so that we can make the decision of whether we will obey or not. But do you realize that this attitude is pride? True pride is simply trusting myself more than God. If I've evaluated a situation and some action that God is asking seems foolish, then the next decision that I make will determine whether blessings flow to me or not. If I obey, my faith becomes active. If I choose not to obey, I have elevated my own pride and suppressed my faith. Now, remember, it is not God who is deciding whether blessings or healing or favor come my way, because those were all accomplished over 2,000 years ago when Jesus became obedient to the cross. The verse that we read earlier in James 1.25 describes a level of obedience that should be normal for Christians, but unfortunately is pretty rare. Most of the time we are looking for explanations and logic to justify the actions that God is asking us to take. Many of the actions that God has asked me to do have had negative effects with people that I would have called my friends at the time, but you know I know they will come around to the truth. God asks us to do things that are true and good in the kingdom. Most of the time, I think people just feel unsafe because they're not sure where they fit in, or they might be fearful of what God might be calling them to do. The Old Testament records over a hundred times where God's phrase, keep my commandments, is used in connection with his blessing. And the New Testament has the same phrase appearing all throughout it, Jesus says, keep my commandments, keep my instructions, keep my word. 
Now, I didn't understand when Jesus used that phrase because I had a single understanding that we are not under law, but under grace. Now, that statement that I just said there is true, but I now see it in the light of the word obedience. See, it's not about law and grace. It's about God's blessings coming to us, and he He gives them to the, the blessings come to us by way of obedience. So let's look at James 2, verses 14 through 26. But what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things that, that which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. But even the demons believe and tremble. But, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now, I know that can actually seem like kind of a hard word where you say faith is dead. Your faith is dead. But faith without works is dead. It's actually in the works that your faith becomes alive. It's actually what puts your faith to the test. Verse 20 says, But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? It, it actually calls the man a foolish man. If you don't want to know, you're not changing the truth. You're just fooling yourself. So what does it mean to be a doer so that you are not deceiving yourself? James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. The verse says, willing to yield. So are you? Are you willing to yield? Are you teachable? Are you pliable? Are you changeable? Many of the instructions in the Bible get glossed over or neglected because we simply do not know how to do them. And then we wonder why things are not working for us. Did Jesus mean it when he said in Matthew 10, uh, in, in the, I think it was verses 7 and 8, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Did he mean it? If we're not seeing these things in our lives, then we can choose to be encouraged that all of this is possible. I should be encouraged that I'm the one who needs to change, not God. Remember, these are principles that he set up Thousands of years ago, he set up these principles. This is the kingdom of God at work. In John 14, uh, verses 11 through 15, I'd like to look at those verses as well. Verse 11 says, 
Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Wow, that's really where he uses, he's talking about works and he's talking about commandments. He's talking about obedience. Really, he's, he's giving us a challenge. He says, greater works than these you will do. But it requires obedience for us to be able to do those works. See, Jesus was fully and completely obedient. Now, typically, we'll stop at verse 14 where we say, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But if you follow that with verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments, we realize a much greater significance of verse 15. Jesus is tying this all together. He's saying, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But if you love me, keep my commandments in order that all of these things can come to pass. He's saying that by keeping his instructions, we then align with him and the purposes of the Father, which then frees up the blessings and the answers to be able to flow to us. Keeping his commandments is for us, not for him. That's where we've gotten it all mixed up. I can also do this you know, with my children. I do it all the time. I give them instructions, which will either train them for a new privilege and responsibility, or it gives me a window into their heart toward their faithfulness to the things of God. I think our disconnect here has been in the use of the word commandments. The word, at least in English, has such a demanding connotation that we tend to shy away from its use or its context. If we substitute the word instructions, it makes it better. It feels much more personal and inviting. And I can, I can even take it further by including every time that Jesus says the, the phrase, my word or my words. So if we use the word my words, my instructions, and every time we see the word commandments, he's simply giving us instructions so that the blessing of God can come to us. In John 6, 63, it says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life, or the commandments. So following the words or instructions or commandments of Jesus are one and the same action. Remember, it is our obedience to the instructions of Jesus, which aligns us to the laws of the kingdom of God and positions us to be able to receive the constant flow of his blessings. Everything that we need to live an abundant life has already been accomplished and supplied and prepared for us ahead of time. Our obedience to his words are the single most important factor in determining the level of alignment we find ourselves in with the kingdom of, of God and its blessings. Make an effort to listen closely to his instructions. Jesus said it many times, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling. And then very simply, obey what he tells you to do. Even if you don't understand it, even if you don't see the way through, even if the way looks dangerous, even if no one around you understands or agrees with you, remember, he is good. And he will never ask you to do something that doesn't bring good to you. We may just not be able to see it. We may not be able to see through it 
all the time or even just at the time. This really is an issue of trust. And when you are willing to lose your life for his sake and the gospel, then good things are free to come to you. In Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25, Jesus was talking to his disciples. He said, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Remember, the cross is a symbol of obedience, and we are called to the cross. Put your faith in action today. Be ready to act when you hear his next word to you. Don't analyze it too much. Don't listen to the voices around you. Don't apply logic to it. Take it to the Bible. Make sure that you aren't going against the Bible. And then spend time sitting in the presence of your Father until his peace begins to guide you. Trust him. He is a good Father and he is a good Shepherd. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.